As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. National Championship Recap Edition, it was ugly. It was, a, I don't even remember what it was, 52 to 24? Like, it was It was a blowout in, in every sense of the word. Um, uh, a shocking blowout, uh, for me anyway. I don't know, were, were you shocked by what you saw on that field? Yeah, it's like funny because I don't know which side of the ball I'm more shocked by. It's like we spent all week talking about how Alabama wasn't going to get stopped, and it's like when it happened, we can't act shocked by right. it. But how it happened was kind of shocking. Um, the thing I was shocked about was Ohio State's offense being stopped, you know, probably as many times as they scored. You know, we thought that they would get way past 24, and, you know, I think part of the reason that they didn't score as much probably in the second half is because they didn't have any meaningful possessions in the second half. So it's, it's not necessarily, a, a, you know, at a – certain point there's they could have scored three more touchdowns and they still wouldn't have won um so it kind of puts a damper on things but you know the defensive alignment which i'm sure you'll get into quite a bit was was kind of interesting some of the in-game decisions on the offensive side of the ball in terms of aggressiveness didn't match what we thought ryan day might do especially after how last year's fiesta bowl went um and really i i think that you know, the better team obviously won the football game. Mm. And, you know, in the past, Ohio State has had some painful losses and, you know, games where you could say, what if this call went another way or what if this catch was made? 
maybe they would have been you know a better position to win or, or even claim a national championship. I guess the the solace here, if you're an Ohio State fan, is that you weren't the best team this year, um, and you move on next year and you kind of discuss, try to discuss like what that means moving forward in the hierarchy of the sport. But you know, Bill, what about that defensive the defensive game plan here? I mean, what what were we looking at? You know, it's pretty funny. I, like right before we recorded this, I just saw something on Twitter. People have been have been tweeting out this Steve Sarkeesian coaching clinic like all week, like different snippets of it to to kind of dive into his offense because it's it's a really fun offense. You saw that on, on on Monday night, but the clip that I just saw was was Steve Sarkeesian talking to a group of high school coaches, and he's talking about his RPO offense, and he says uh, he says to all all the defensive coaches in here, how often do you just play cover three? And then he just like shrugs his shoulders like you don't do it right because that would be dumb. And guess what Ohio State did against Alabama? <laughs> like he was he was describing Ohio State's defense and like it's what they do, it's what they've done all year. And Ryan Day said like we weren't going to change it and honestly, they were down Tommy Togiai, they were down Tyreek Smith. Those and they don't have a ton of defensive line depth to begin with. Like those are two monumental losses. So I don't know if there's anything they really could have done to stop Alabama or even slow down Alabama. But it also felt like they didn't really try. Like and maybe that's the wrong way to put it, but but I, I thought there would be like an Alabama centric kind of plan or a Devonte Smith centric kind of plan, even if it was bracketing him and putting other guys on your defense in a really difficult position because Alabama has other good players besides Devonte Smith. But it's like that guy won the Heisman Trophy, and you're just kind of guarding him straight up. <laughs> and it's like you don't have the guys to do that. Yeah. So you know, I, I don't know. Like, there's there's personnel issues, like real personnel issues on Ohio State's defense that that have been apparent all year, and came to a head because they played just an absolute buzzsaw of, of an offense. Like, I don't know. With my own two eyes, I've never seen a better offense than than what I saw uh, on Monday night. And I, I think there's a fun conversation to have about that team and, and last year's LSU team and who's actually better. Um, but that was ridiculous. And Ohio State just couldn't keep up. They didn't have the speed. They didn't have the the physicality and and. It's unfortunate that the season had to end with them kind of getting run off the field in that way, but I think a lot of people listening to this maybe saw that coming with with the ways the defense have played all year. But it's Ryan Day's vision for the op, for the defense, excuse me, and and the Kerry Combs deserves criticism because he's the one calling it, and ultimately he's the one putting the plan together. But that single high cover three, force the ball to the middle, like almost bend but don't break kind of mentality is Ryan Day's defense. And I tried to ask Ryan Day after the game, like, hey man. This works against the Big Ten. It don't work when you get on the field with teams like this. And he kind of did the thing he always does where he falls back. Oh, well, it's about execution. Like, no, man, it's not. It's it's about you putting your guys in the best place to succeed. And they didn't do that. Um, I think Ryan Day usually does that offensively or often does that offensively. And, and they just didn't do it defensively. So, like, they playing that way, they had no chance against Alabama. And I guess they did well, that because they had no other making... recourse. But, but, man, that was that was a losing proposition from the jump. Everybody, including myself, was making tough Borland guarding Devontae Smith jokes. Um, but he should never be in that position. And it, not only was he in that position, he should have had had help over the top, right? And you have guys playing out of position in the secondary. And, you know, Multiple we spoke guys, all year yeah. You spoke all year about whether or not Ohio State had enough games under its belt to play through some of the personnel issues. And, you know, it looks to me that they just were out of position, both from a coaching standpoint and a personnel standpoint. You know, I'm sure 
the design of their defense wasn't for tough Borland to go toe-to-toe with the fastest guy on the field. Like, I mean, it just wasn't the case. But the fact that he was put in that position just shows that, you know, things weren't really necessarily all all in sync here. And, you know, it's funny because the defense, I don't know. I I was trying to think about this, Bill. I haven't seen Ohio State's defense so hopeless since they played Iowa in 2017, which I think is kind of a funny thing to say out loud because they've had – games where they've played titans of the sport like in 2008 when they lost to usc like 35 to 3 um they've lost to better teams by a lot before but this is probably the most hopeless ohio state's defense has been in my lifetime and maybe you could say iowa was the same or worse or better but like i don't remember ever watching a football game and thinking there is no way ohio state can stop the team no matter what they Mm -hmm. do and it's like when you're in that position, how many legit stops do they have in that game? Um, Maybe they forced how that about, punt at the end of the first half. But, but. How many legit stops did they have when the game was in question? If you count that, that the only thing that stopped Alabama at the end of the first half was the clock. And I, I was just – Well, Baron Browning had the strip sack. <clears throat> I think that like he strip sacked Mac Jones and they scored after that. that was, that's probably it. Yeah. But there's there's – the one fumble is the only stop that I can think of when the game was still in question. Mm-hmm. And the lead to your story, um, which was about how many guys were, were out. on Ohio State scored on a one-minute drive to make it 38-24, and Alabama's entire offense was out on the following possession. If they get a stop there and score again, you've got a football game. Didn't matter. Alabama goes all the way down the field and scores a touchdown with uh, a, bo- a quarterback with a broken – or, I mean, a bruised ankle um, – the player that had 215 yards in the first half, uh, Devontae Smith is out with a d- dislocated finger. Najee Harris is on the sideline. Um, Jalen Waddell could barely walk. I don't even know how he played to begin with, but he was out there. And they still just went right down the field. Like, there was nobody there. And we knew that this game was probably going to hit the over. We knew that it was going to be a shootout. But shootouts are fun, but you have to be able to stop them at some point. Even in shootouts, teams punt sometimes. You know, it's not every single time they touch the yeah. ball. They just ran down the field like there was nobody stopping them. And it felt like, honestly, it felt like what it feels like when Ohio State plays uh, um, a group of five team in the preseason. What, what's what's the, the saving quote? They ran through our ass like shit through a tin horn. Right? That's the thing. Like goat shit through a tin horn. <laughs> That's, yeah. it, was a, it, was a, it was a good old-fashioned shit pumping. That's all it was, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like funny because – we didn't even talk about the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, I guess how about we do offense now and then we'll talk about, like, what needs to change maybe uh, moving forward and reanalyzing, like, where we think Ohio State is. But here's the tweet that I did uh, or the thought that I had during the game. And I just, like, want to know what your perspective is because we didn't talk at all during the game. Mm-hmm. Ryan Day offensively is known for being aggressive, right? And maybe even that aggressiveness is – Link to passing or whatever, but he's always been known for aggressiveness. In the first half alone, he punted from plus territory on fourth and nine when Ohio State was already down by a touchdown. I think it was at the opposing 40 or something 40, like that. I think but it was a 44, yeah. 44, yeah. And I guess that's like a, a borderline decision. He kicked a field goal from the opposing six, and with a minute and, and almost two minutes left on the clock before half down multiple scores, he kind of ran it out or tried to run it out mm-hmm. while somehow still simultaneously leaving enough time on the clock for Bama to try to score again. Mm-hmm. 
I disagree completely with all three of those decisions. And this team is too talented to not go for it. And even if you convert on one of the two, you still have more points than the field goal. And and like I think this is kind of the microcosm. Like if I were there, I would have written a column about how Ohio State is too talented to not go for it. And I don't think they went for it on offense, and I don't think they went for it on defense. I think it was just kind of like, let's try to keep everybody in front of us and don't let Devontae Smith burn us. But all it did was give Devontae Smith wide open alleys to run through in order to burn them. And on offense, they didn't light it up the way that they should have. There were no downfield shots. Um, Wyatt Davis got hurt. Like I mean, there were things that just didn't go Ohio State's way, but it also felt like the mentality of the football team was almost like comparable to how you feel when Ohio State's playing one of the teams that they are favored at 28 by. Mm-hmm. Do the best that you can to try to survive to the second half. And it's like Ohio State, even if they aren't as good as Alabama when they clearly aren't, can't play the game that way. They are just too gosh darn talented to play like that. And I don't know if you th- – I said gosh darn because you know what I was going to say. Yeah. You laughed. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's too goddamn talented to play that way. Do you take credence in what – am I nuts on this? Or like, did it no. seem like they kind of acquiesced a little bit to not – it felt like there was no aggression whatsoever. It was completely passive to me. It was very, it was very um, passive. Now, they, they, they did have some nice drives where it was like 28 yards, 29 yards, two-run score. Yeah. Like that, that stuff was good. There, there was no real downfield passing game to speak of. I think there was one long. I can't remember. There was one long completion. I think that was like for forty yards, um, to or thirty six yards. Maybe it was. Um, but no, there was no, there was no downfield passing. Game. The, the, the of the things you listed, the thing that I have the most issue with is the field goal. You just, you don't. You're inside the ten. You don't kick a field goal. And Ryan Day's answer after the game, um, I didn't ask him. Uh, I think Bill Rabinowitz asked him. Ryan said like. Uh, Something they effective like you you kick the field goal, take the points, and you move on. It's like you move on. Like the game's over, dude. Like <laughs> Alabama has shown you that all they're going to do in this game is score touchdowns. You don't kick three and move on. Your defense hasn't shown an ability to stop them yet. You have to score touchdowns. And I don't know why. I, I I don't know why he did that. The punt. It's like it's fourth and nine. It's not like if it was fourth and five or even fourth and I don't know fourth and six. I say like go for it. Like fourth and nine is tough. Um. I probably would still go for it, but I didn't. I like I didn't think that was as egregious as the other stuff. And then the the last like two minute trouble before the half, they did try to throw on second down. I think it was second and seven. They threw. They got a penalty. It was second and seventeen, and then they just ran the ball. So yeah. he didn't he didn't run it every time, but there was not much like imagination or even a sense of urgency when, when they got that ball because they were in a weird spot. It's like they wanted to score, but they didn't want to score too quickly to give Alabama the ball back. And then the end result was like the worst possible thing was you gave Alabama the ball back with plenty of time to score. And you just got lucky that they didn't. Um, but I did feel there was a lot of passiveness in the, in the way that Ryan day called that game. And I, and I think a lot of it is they lost Trey sermon. They like Trey sermon breaks his collarbone. sounds like he went to the hospital on the first play of the game. And, it turns out that he was really important to, to what they were doing offensively. And I've talked about that before, how how everything they do throwing the ball is built off of play-action passing and defense is having to respect Ohio State's ability to run the ball. The second Trey Sermon went out of the game, Alabama didn't respect Ohio State's ability to run. They didn't have to. And I like Master Teague, but he's not Trey Sermon. And it's funny to say that now at this point of the season, but that's kind of how this thing morphed over the year. 
Master Teague just doesn't do the same things that Trey Sermon does. Master's really fast in a straight line. We saw him break that tackle on a nice run. I think he's powerful to an extent, but he doesn't cut those runs back against the green in the way that Trey Sermon has been doing for the last three games. And and when that threat is no longer there, you don't really have to worry about it. You just tee off on the passing game and, and blitz the crap out of Justin Fields and I think Ohio State still moved the ball okay to a certain extent, but clearly not well enough to, to keep pace with Alabama. But they didn't really have a shot. I think their game plan got totally derailed when Trey, Trey Sermon went out and Ryan Day didn't have answers for it. And I think it's difficult to find answers, but that's why he gets paid whatever he gets paid. He's got to find answers within the, within the course of a game. And maybe he felt like he found someone by the time he did it was too late because the defense just wasn't stopping Alabama. But the, the overall mindset of the offense I thought was puzzling given the stakes and given the caliber of the opponent. It's like Sark was in his bag. Sark was pulling everything out, just toying with Kerry Combs. And I, I, I thought the matchup-wise there were opportunities for Ryan Day to try to do some similar things, and it didn't really feel like he, tried, he did that. Yeah. It went from like the most perfect game possible to the most unbelievably bad game possible in the span of two games. And I guess that's part of – you know, comes with the territory when you go from playing a really, really good team to playing Alabama, you know, and, and they are every bit as good as, as everybody thought they were. Um, the thing that I think is interesting is the punt on fourth and nine. I got a ton of crap for that. And I just think to myself how whenever Ohio State's playing a team that's a 28-point dog when they punt or do things like that and that how much I mock them. And everybody thinks it's funny when it's on the other foot. And I understand that people are emotional during a national championship game. But part of being the coach of your team is knowing whether you can stop the other team. It's like that's the thing that is so interesting to me. It's like by the book you could sit back and say, well, it's fourth and nine. That's a low percentage play. We have to punt because that's what the book says. But part of being a good coach is also understanding that it doesn't freaking matter. If you can't stop the team, you have to be able to identify the, the game as for what it is and then call a game around it. Mm-hmm. And, yes, it worked out after the fumble and the turnover and Ohio State ended up tying it at 14-14, but it's not about the results. And I made this analogy on Twitter you can stay on 16 against a face card at a blackjack table and the dealer might bust, but it still doesn't mean you're not a jackass or playing it poorly. And I'm not results oriented. It's all about what should have been done in the moment. And more so than just that one specific decision, it's more about what that means from a mindset standpoint for the entire game. And I think that the mindset standpoint from punting at that, at that spot is the same mindset that was used to call the rest of the game. And it almost felt like they were doing everything in their power to not be blown out. And the only thing that that ever does is turn you into a blowout blowout victim. Mm -hmm. Like the only way that you you avoid the blowout is by using your superior athletes or sorry, your athletes, not superior. I'm so used to saying that. Yeah, they were trying to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But trying to get something going and like a touchdown in the red zone from the six yard line is how you don't get blown out not punting it from plus territory when your offense is physically capable of doing anything you want to that defense. They weren't playing the 2000 Ravens out there, man. They were not. <laughs> they, cer- they certainly were not. I think I, the Alabama's defense was was vulnerable coming in and uh, like they lost Jordan Battle. That was that was like the game kind of felt over, I guess, before that, but it was like 
it was 14 to 7 baron browning gets a strip sack ohio state scores and you're like okay maybe this is something then alabama goes right down the field i think it was like a five play three minute scoring drive and it's 21 14 ohio state has the ball back gets in position key third down jordan battle former ohio state commit gets ejected from the game probably not their their second best defensive back behind patrick sertan but like their their guy on the back end at, at, at safety gets ejected for a targeting penalty on jeremy ruckert and it was like that felt like something it was like and, and like you can almost like you can feel yourself like writing it a little bit like this guy who was committed to ohio state forever and flipped at the last minute to alabama has this key game-changing play where he gets a targeting penalty and extended drive and like ohio state scores and it's 21 21 and instead they kick a field goal from the six-yard line and they made it good for jake seibert like freshman in a big spot made a field goal good for him i think i think that's good for for him moving forward to kick a field goal in the national title game but you shouldn't be kicking in that situation and the and justin fields i think missed garrett wilson right and on the corner on a throw earlier before that would have been a really really hard throw yeah i don't know everybody keeps saying that he missed him and it's just like i haven't watched the replay and live it yeah, looked like garrett from what was open i saw and he threw it a little bit yeah i i from what i saw that would have i mean not that justin fields couldn't make that throw but i didn't sit here thinking oh my god how could you miss that okay that was a really difficult pass okay um but either way they, they settled for the field goal and the thing i kept thinking about during the game and I, I don't know if I wrote this in these exact terms or not, but but I was certainly thinking it is that Ryan Day's thing, like all he ever talks about when, when he talks about sort of his mindset when it's, when he's in a game is being aggressive and being bold. Like he says those words all the time, and Ohio State was neither on both sides of the ball. They just like who who they want to be, I think. I, I don't know if you can say that's always who they are, but I think it's who they want to be or who Ryan Day likes to think they are. Um, they were not that in the national championship when they absolutely had to be because Alabama was better than them, the offense versus defense matchup. And, um, you know, they, they have good defensive players. Like, I, I don't think it's a team you can just like line up in a, and expect to smash. I think you have to be aggressive against them to, to really hurt them. And it didn't feel like they were looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The thing that is just so baffling to me is that, and this has been something that's been the case at Ohio State for a long time, but Ohio State and Alabama have recruited so similarly. And we like to think that Ohio State is in a in a spot that they have some of the best development in the country, one of the best strength coaches in America, all of the resources that Alabama has. And when you watched the game last night, I don't know if it's just an instance of one team being much better than the other um, in a weird year. But it seems like the gap between the two programs is huge. And 
it's very interesting to me. And if the answer is just Nick Saban as a god, then you know I can live with that. I mean, he's won seven national titles in every single recruiting class that he has signed for the last fourteen years has won one, including the one players who went three and done because there's never been a more than a two year gap in national championships. But like, why does it feel like Ohio State was a team that had to do everything perfectly just to be in the game you know and it's just I don't know if it's just pure talent because um, the rosters are very similar I don't know if it's developmental I don't know if it's just superior assistance but Ohio State has come up against these other super teams in the past despite being one themselves and they haven't quite lived up to it and I know that college football is a game where you get blown out or blowouts happen I know a lot of bad things didn't go Ohio State's way. Like Alabama's first touchdown, it probably would have been nice to have Tommy Togiai in the middle there on fourth and goal from the you know half-yard line. I know that losing Trey Sermon is bad luck. Um, I know not having Tyreek Smith matters. You know, I know that Justin Fields might have been banged up. There's all these things that you can say, but there's no reason why it had to feel like Ohio State was a team that was outclassed right at the jump of the game. And like, I wonder what the difference is between Ohio State and Alabama in that regard. Well, I think some of it, like this this was, Alabama is always a monster, but I think this group in particular like sprinkled a little bit of magic on top of that. Like the combination of Devontae Smith and Mac Jones and Najee Harris, like that offensive line, even like John Mechie, Jalen Waddell, like that, that, is, that is something different than what I think is going to be the norm. And, and I, I guess that maybe that sounds strange because LSU was kind of similar last year. Um, but I don't think think that year after year Alabama is going to quite have that because that is really hard to maintain and Sark's leaving and Saban wins all the time even when he loses coordinators anyway they're still going to be very good but but this was I mean this was even even like Nick Saban is the best coach ever and this might have been his best team ever certainly his best offense ever and like I don't know I, like Ohio State just didn't have the people to keep up with it. Like when you, when you talk about program versus program, clearly Ohio State's a step behind. I don't I don't know if the gap is is insurmountable or or bigger than I thought it was coming into it. I, I just think like this particular team, this particular Alabama offense was like otherworldly, and and I, I I don't think you can expect that year after year. But but there is a there's a gap to make up between them. I think Ohio State needs more speed, um, particularly on defense. And, like, part of the reason they were playing four linebackers, which is, like, maddening, because like, I'm sure the answer was, well, they were in 12 personnel. It's like, okay, they're in 12 personnel, but one of their tight ends is Julio Billingsley, who's not really a tight end. So, like, you're not matching up man for man. You're just doing the obvious thing, putting more linebackers on the field when there's more tight ends there. It doesn't make any sense. But on another level, if <clears throat> if your goal was just, like, put our best football players on the field, like, I think Ohio State was doing that. It just so happens that four of the best football players are linebackers who kind of have no business being on the field against a team like Alabama. So... There's recruiting things to make up for, particularly on defense, with this team. And, and there were some losses, or lull, maybe lulls is a better way to put it, um, in like 2018 or maybe 19-20, kind of after Kerry Combs left and like Tavor Johnson and Bill Davis were recruiting for Ohio State. Like they were, It just wasn't quite up to snuff on the, on the defensive side of the ball, and I think we saw some of that. We definitely saw some of that against Alabama, and, and it forces guys to play out of position. Like Marcus Williams, Williamson is not a safety, but he's playing free safety against Alabama. And I don't, you know, we, I think we have a lot of evidence now to say that, like, Sean Wade's probably not an outside corner. Um, 
Maybe he's an inside corner, maybe he's a safety, and I think he can be good at both of those jobs, but he was not good at outside corner. But they put him out there, I guess because they felt like they had to or because they wanted to, but playing him out there did not really serve them all that well this year. So they have guys playing out of position, and, and there's misses on the back end of the defense, like case in point, Jordan Battle was a guy they had, and if you get on the field, he's playing for the other team. So um, I don't think Ohio State has to like rethink its recruiting plan because the class they just signed is ridiculous, and there's some really good, athletic, fast, versatile defensive players in this class, and I think that's where they're trending. But there's a gap, I think, like between what we saw last year with that defense and what's coming down the pike. And it just so happens that they hit that gap while they had to play what might be the best offense in like modern college football. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like funny because we spend so much time. And uh, when I was on Andy Staples show after the game, I asked him, how would you rank the top five college football programs right now? Not, not this year, not a poll, but the top five programs. And Andy said, Alabama, Ohio state, Clemson, Georgia would be his top four in that order. And I think it's interesting now, like, where you might put – because, like, listen, I think that as as crappy as that game was for Ohio State fans, it was a successful season. I mean, I think getting to the playoff and getting to the national title game and beating Clemson and all the things that had occurred to get to this point were important foundational pieces for this program. Um, But it just makes me rethink, like, what a ceiling means for those other teams that aren't Alabama. Mm. Alabama season is winning seven national titles in what 12 years or whatever it is crazy number like that like what is Ohio State's ceiling as a program because Alabama still exists in that current reality and it's like oh is Ohio State's ceiling winning one every four is Clemson's one every four uh, or two every four but you know as long as Alabama exists it kind of feels to me that it is Alabama and everybody else despite the fact that Ohio State has done everything in their power from a recruiting standpoint to stack their roster similarly. And you're right, there, there were some lulls in the recruiting game um, in those middle classes, and so there was one small class in there and, and whatever. But, like, I tweeted this during the game, and it's something that somehow got a lot of attention when I said, Alabama just signed the best recruiting class in the history of recruiting rankings in 2021, just in case you were wondering when this is all going to end. And it's just like, it seems to me like Alabama, dude, listen, Six months ago, when the pandemic was just starting, Alabama's recruiting class was in the 50s. They couldn't get anybody to commit, and they missed the playoff last year. And everybody was just like, oh, my God, Alabama's window just closed or is closing. I might have been one of them. Then not only did they just win the national title the following year, but they ended up not only getting back into the top five, but signing maybe the best class of all time. And it's just like this is set up sustainably for a long period of time. And the the hardest thing for any coach to do, and we've seen it with Urban, is replacing and hiring effective assistants to fill in gaps when they leave. And it doesn't matter. It's a revolving door of assistants at Alabama. And every time somebody comes in, like Sarkeesian is like the best offensive play caller in the world now, and he's going to go to Texas. And it's like, who's next? Bill O'Brien. Everybody made jokes about how he was going to trade Devontae Smith. And it's funny, but like next year, he'll be the offensive coordinator in the national title game again. And it just, it just is a weird dynamic of like, is LeBron just running into the Warriors right now? Uh, I don't know. Like Nick Saban, like you said it earlier, Nick Saban is a God, like Nick Saban's a God and, and he's going to be at the top of the sport until he decides he wants to retire. But 
you know, Alabama has lost in the playoff era. Clemson beat them in the national title game twice. Ohio State beat them in 2014. They didn't make the playoff at all last yeah. year. Like, I don't think there's this, like, air of invincibility with Alabama. And, and I said that before the game, and then Alabama kicked the shit out of Ohio State. So so I'll, I'll eat those words. But but in terms of, like, just program dominance, like, no one has a shot to win a title again as long as – like, I don't think I don't think we're there. I, I, Do you know how good you have to be, though, to make a team as talented as Ohio State look that bad? Like it's like it's so funny to me because the way we're talking about this game, it's like Ohio State was a wounded dog coming in, and it's just like, dude, they're the number two team in America, and they couldn't even they couldn't even compete, and it's just like I don't know if any of Ohio State's teams are uh, ever been as good as this year's Alabama team is, and you know maybe that's a not even a fair thing to say because they were susceptible on defense, but it's just like, and I don't know. Breaking Bama is alive, I guess, and chasing Bama is going to be a thing at Ohio State all over again. But it's like when you really break down Ohio State's win over 2014 Alabama, which was the worst Alabama team that made the playoff of the Nick Saban or the playoff era, and they had Blake Sims at quarterback. It's like, did Ohio State actually break Bama? No, did they I think to that's run been into a them the one time yeah, they beat that them. they were susceptible to get beat. And it's just like that beating that Bama is what you have to do to beat Bama. You know, and I'm not trying to take away from the 2014 season. It's a beautiful season that will remain in the hearts of everybody who followed it. But that's not the Alabama that we have come to know and love the last four or five years. And as the recruiting rankings continue to become more lopsided and these teams become more stacked, like Alabama, would Alabama's team that Ohio State played on on Monday night beaten that 2014 team 55 to 10? Like, I mean, like that wasn't even the same ballpark of a team. And it's just like Alabama has continued to morph and improve and get better. And it's like, we cover Ohio state 365 days a year. And it's just like, what is, what does Ohio state have to like, what would on earth would they have to do to achieve even 50% of that? Because it's like, there aren't very many weaknesses in the entire structure of the program. So what would they have to do in order to, to get to that point? I mean, their 2021 recruiting class is like basically on par with Alabama's. I know, I know. So I don't, and, I don't know, that, and that's been, and that that's what I'm saying. So like, what is missing? I I don't know if there are things that are missing. Like I I, I don't I, I feel like no, it's like not even just an Ohio State thing, Bill. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. What's Clemson missing? What's Georgia missing? What's everybody? What is what? I don't know. Better like, way to these put it this way. What does have, Alabama have? Uh, they had the Bolitnikoff, the Doak Walker, the Davy O'Brien, oh, uh, Alex Leatherwood, guys who all should be in the NFL just decide to come back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what they had. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It just, but like, Bill, I know that this is like a, a very special team, but also it's happened seven times. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like. This was a special team, and they they've had, but there's some something in the sauce down there. Yeah, of course and there is, but I don't think like Alabama. I don't think we're on. Alabama dominated, like dominated, dominated, dominated college football at the end of the BCS era. I don't think they're like running away from college football again. I don't view I don't view it that way at all. I think they had a really really good team this year, like generational, historic. Never forget about it. One of the best offenses in the history of college football team this year. I do not think they're running away from the rest of the sport. I think Clemson and yeah. Alabama are going to be there. Georgia is going to be there, especially if they're getting quarterbacks now. We'll see what Oklahoma can do with its defense, and maybe it can be there too. Um, I don't I don't think that's what this is. I think this was a game where Alabama like kicked Ohio State's ass, 
and Ohio State didn't have the horses to hang with them. But I don't think we're trending in a direction where the gap's going to keep getting wider, or Alabama's is going to keep putting distance. Well, that's the thing because there's absolutely zero gap between Ohio State's class and their and Alabama's class this year. Yeah, I think Alabama. Well, Alabama. It's not even a recruiting. Yeah, has seven five stars, and Ohio State has five. But like the player average is basically the same. Yeah, and I'm not saying that it's not a recruiting thing because recruiting is my bible. As it should be. There's something else that Alabama has or possesses. Yeah, Nick Saban. And if if the answer is just <laughs> Nick Saban and that's it, then whatever. But um, I think what you're seeing is is the ingredients going into both programs are the same, but the output's not. And you know, Ohio State had a wonderful year. They beat Clemson. They're back in the position that they want to be in. But the fact is that Ohio State has been very comparable for the most part, to what Alabama has brought into their program since 2014, and the results have been vastly different over the long stretch. Yeah, and I, and I think the like the difference the, the... is just Nick Saban. Then that's the answer. Fine, it's Nick Saban. But like, I want to know. It'd be very interesting to know, and if he writes a book one day or talks frankly about it, like what that missing ingredient is, because they didn't even have their strength coach this year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's. It doesn't matter what happens there. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, it is, and, and it's pretty crazy what he built. And it's not, it's not quite that way at Ohio State. Or at least it wasn't under Meyer because he he struggled to replace assistants when they left. Um, but like, I don't, I don't think the program is in any kind of any kind of bad position. I think the, I think the program is is in a you're last year like Ohio State's position better for the future than it ever has been. Like I don't feel any differently about that. Um, I think it's in a good spot. It's it's funny to think like again like I don't. I don't want this to come off as like I don't, it's not excuse making. I think it's an explanation. Aaron Suttles or, or Alabama writer like wrote this week about Alabama's monster 2017 recruiting class, and if you look at that class, it's ridiculous. And they all came back as seniors. And Ohio State's 2017 class was ridiculous, and like half of the elite players in that class all left for the NFL early, and none of them were here. It's like if J.K. Dobbins and Chase Young and Jeff Okuda decided, you know what, I'm coming back to play my senior year at Ohio State. Monday night looks very different. And I think a major yeah. difference between those two teams is that their Alabama's twenty seventeen recruits stayed, and Ohio State's didn't. And that, and then the result is fifty two to twenty four. All right, so Justin Fields has to come back, right? And I Chris Olave has to come back, I think, and I think that's it. I think like, on some <laughs> if level, that's the answer. Then they have no hope. <laughs> on some le- like what what this Alabama team was, I don't think should be expected because it is. I think it is a rare thing to have that many dynamic talented sort of transcendent players all decide to come back and they all decided to come back yeah no i don't know i i but alabama's gonna if be your first round anyway. pick you go yeah i mean Najee so, harris I mean, and Devontae smith and Jalen waddle were probably all gonna be first round picks last year and then they all came back <laughs> looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Does Ohio State have to make any changes or... Uh, do anything different to its staff? Like, do you do you lose confidence in anything from that standpoint in this game? Do they have to make changes? Uh, no, I'm I'm not totally there yet. I think I think they need to decide what they want to be defensively. Like the, what they're because, like I said at the, at the top of this, this this structure is Ryan Day's philosophy. It's the Seattle Seahawks deal, cover three Legion of Boom stuff. Um, and when you have the personnel that Ohio State had in 2019, it can work pretty well because you had two first-round corners, you had a, a menace of a defensive end in Chase Young, and and it worked it worked well up until they got against Clemson and they had to do some different stuff and they couldn't do it. There's not enough different stuff in this defense. This defense, in my opinion, is way way too static, and I think that's fine for the Big Ten because no one in the Big Ten can hang with you, um, but it's not fine once you get to this level, and and. I think I don't know if that's Ryan Day needs to change his philosophy. Ryan Day needs to let Kerry Combs kind of dip into his career experiences and, and the expertise he developed when he was with the Tennessee Titans. Like I don't know if you look at some of the guys that are recruiting, like some of these hybrid guys. It, like it makes me think that they're possibly trending in that direction. Um, but until they actually do, I, I don't know if they're going to have like a defense that can stay on the field when they get to the playoff and are playing these kind of offenses. So I think there's some hard questions that they need to answer there about what they want to be moving forward. Um, but other than that, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't like. I don't. What would it be? I think people probably want Kerry Combs fired. I, like I think that's ridiculous. Um, but I do agree to some extent that Ryan Day hired a defensive coordinator to run a system he never run before, um, and I think that is an issue. So like Kerry Combs needs to be able to really put his stamp on this defense. And maybe when he does, it won't be good enough, but I think he needs to get the opportunity to do so before we just write him off. Yeah. Um, also is the Ryan day honeymoon over now? Yeah. Yeah. And like, what, what's that mean? Like, I don't, I don't think it means like if he doesn't win a national championship, I'm sure he's not going to be the head coach at Ohio state. Like that's not, that's not, no, the case, no, but, no, 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 no. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's got two losses. Won the Clemson in the playoff, won the Alabama in the national championship. So, um, he's been very good in in multiple areas. I think his his game day decisions in some of these big games have been puzzling. But on the other hand, like he had a he destroyed Clemson. He had a great plan against Clemson. So like he has it in him. Um, yeah. But they've gotten to the playoff twice in his first two years and. They weren't good enough, and they weren't good enough in the semifinal last year. And they weren't good enough in the national championship this year. So yeah, I think the honeymoon's over. But I, I don't know that I've lost any confidence in Ryan Day's ability to ultimately win a championship here because of the way they're recruiting. Um, but I also don't think like, um, I don't know the right, right way to put it. I guess that's the right way to put it. Like honeymoon is is no longer uh, happening. It just seems like the the temp like Urban Meyer wasn't immune to it, and when Urban was at the Ohio State's head coach, like not being immune to the crazy criticism is interesting because the guy was as close to Nick Saban as you could possibly be without being Nick Saban, mm-hmm. and it's like the temperament I think on Twitter toward Ryan was much different during the game last night than I had ever seen. It was frustrating. 
It's because it, you're just not used to seeing Ohio State look so outmatched. They were they were just outmatched on on, on the defensive side, especially, and then the offensive side. It just like passive. I think I think passive is a great word. Um, and you would hope that your team wouldn't be that way. So I don't. And it's hard. It's hard to contextualize for me because of how strange this year was, and the fact that they were missing guys and like they hadn't been a complete team since since the cancellation of the Illinois game. Um, so it's hard, but that's not to make excuses for them. Like they still showed up in the national championship and didn't seem to have a great plan to try to win it. So um, I think that's fair. I think criticism's fair. I would just hope that criticism stops short of, of something ridiculous, like we need to clean house and, and revamp this entire thing. Because I'm not, I'm not there. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, should you be don't there. get to that point when you're playing for a national title that you can't be there. I think there's a rule: if you make it to the national title game, nothing can happen in the game that makes you want to clean house. Yeah, right. It's just an interesting thing because for two years, Ohio State's recruiting and Ohio State's results on the field have mirrored what people felt was like an improvement from Urban. And that's a pretty crazy thing to say because of how successful Urban had been. And it's like now we're at the stage where we can officially start beginning to question and wonder whether Ryan Day is flawed. And, like, once you get into yeah. that part I mean, of he's, your, Yeah, of he's, your not, co- he's unavailable. Yeah, yeah. But it seemed like it for 18 months, you know, for a while there. What were mm-hmm. you supposed to criticize for the first 18 months? They went undefeated. uh during the regular season, they lost a really close game against a really good Clemson team where crazy penalties might have been the difference. And his recruiting class now is one of the best Ohio State's ever signed. So until Ohio State lost uh, on Monday the way that they did, I don't remember, I guess maybe the Northwestern Big Ten Championship game, but nobody was was coming for the guy. And it just seems to me that people were like very upset with the way that things went from a game planning standpoint. And really, when you look at back at, at what people were most upset about at the end of the urban era it wasn't his inability to build the program or to recruit it was that they didn't feel confident in his assistance and they didn't feel confident in his ability to game plan anymore and like ohio state part of the reason why we i was confident they were going to compete with alabama is because not only do they have the athletes but i had a lot of hope that they would be able to scheme something up specifically for Alabama on both sides of the football to compete and give their athletes the best chance to win, which is something that I think was lacking in the past. And I got to be honest, man, I don't think that they were prepared on either side of the ball. There was no imagination on offense and they had some nice drives, but it was all the same thing. And maybe uh, Trey Sermon going out as part of the reason, maybe losing Wyatt Davis as part of the reason. Those things happen. They exist. But the defensive side of the ball, the plan was completely just frankly wrong. And they didn't have a shot, and, they, and not only did they not have a shot, they they only got lucky once with a turnover to stop Alabama, but the rest of the time they got ran through. And as you're sitting back looking at the coaching staff, it's not because Ohio State doesn't have good players. They have some things with some freshman defensive backs they could have retooled and, and made things different in the secondary and, and tried something new. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would have faulted Ohio State for trying something new specifically for Alabama and failing at it because they're not as good. I think what people fault them for is going into a football game and feeling like their coaching staff got overmatched because it did feel like their coaching staff lost the game. It wasn't Ohio State's personnel. Their coaching staff didn't have Ohio State adequately prepared to play that football game, and that's a problem in a national championship game. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Like cer- certainly on the defensive side, um, they weren't. I don't like not prepared. They weren't put in the right position to win. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fact. I yes. don't even know if that's a debatable. No, no. I think I think that's true. I think I think that's true. Um, not prepared, I think, is something different than that. But but not put in the not put. That's in the what I meant. Yeah. I meant 
the plan I mean, their the, entire defensive alignment was not right. Yeah, the plan the plan didn't seem to make much sense. But again, given their personnel shortcomings on defense, I'm not sure what plan would have made sense. But you would have liked them you would have liked them to do something different. And I don't know, like Ohio State plays teams all the time that change their plans specifically for Ohio State. And it's because they're outmanned and it's the only course of action they have to try to make the game close. And I don't know, like, if you're an Ohio State fan, do you want Ohio State going into a game against Alabama with that mentality? Or do you want Ohio State going into a game against Alabama thinking, like, we're every bit there equal. We don't have to change who we are. We're going to play the way we play and we're going to beat them. Um, it's the coach's job to be able to identify who they really are. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But and I, but I don't know because I, I'm I'm not a football coach. I, I don't mean this to come you up as me film thinking. Me, yeah. But, like, I watched Alabama and Ohio State play this year, and I thought Ohio State was – on some level, Alabama's equal. Like, I thought this was going to be a game. I thought Ohio State legitimately had a chance to win. And especially coming off the way they played against Clemson. And it wouldn't be, I guess, like surprising to me if Ohio State's coaches felt the same way. And maybe they banked too much on, like, we got some magic to us. Like, we're on some kind of run. No one's going to stop us. And, and they didn't have to have a bunch of change-ups going into the Alabama game. But if their answer, if their mindset was, like, we think we're as good as them, then like okay you were wrong but like if that's what you thought that's what you thought and and i guess like if you base your plan around that that's okay but it, it, like and in hindsight it's really easy to say like well you weren't and you had to do more and there just wasn't enough but creativity. shouldn't you but shouldn't you even in that scenario still do everything in your power to identify wrinkles and to create a plan and to do yes. something different i mean alabama did and they didn't have any questions about whether or not ohio state was good enough to, to play with them they knew going into the game they were the best team athletically and they still they still were put in positions and, and you know sark's uh offensive game plan was beautiful and yeah but know, that wasn't that wasn't abnormal for them that they did that shit all year like that's what made them fun all those motions pulling guys out of position moving Devonte smith at different spots like none of that was new um I, I mean, I didn't watch every single game, so maybe they had a couple new concepts. Yeah. But, but like the general idea of like confusion, getting guys into space, like that's that's what they do. Um, but Ohio State, like Kerry Combs, didn't have a plan to counter that. Like they they played it basically straight up, and so the, it was like a non. It was the non plan plan. It was the, it was we're gonna do what we do and hope that it's good enough. And brother, it wasn't good enough. <laughs> it just wasn't. Um, I don't have a plan, Ruben. Yeah. I'm on the non-plan <laughs> plan. The <laughs> so I know. I think yeah. If there's not, they were not put in in positions. The players are not put in positions to win the game. And and even if they were, just seeing what Alabama is, I think they still probably yeah. would have lost. Um, but it would have been a closer game. And there were like. I think, like, I, I, again, I think a lot about, like, words and action. It's like you can say you're aggressive, you can say you're bold, you can say you push the envelope, but, like, when you get to the biggest stage and you don't do any of that, then why are we talking about it? Like, mm-hmm. like be, be it. Be the thing you say you are. And even go down being it. Yeah, if you, if, you're, if you are that and you lose, at least you are who you say you are. But they, they weren't. Yeah. They just weren't. Yeah. They got their ass kicked in the national championship. Um, yeah. And it sucks because, like, I, Ryan Day talked a lot, right, about about Ohio State's opportunity to write like one of the better stories in the history of college football. And I think if Ohio State would have won, it would have been that. I still think this is like an Ohio State season worth remembering 
because of all the shit that happened this year and and how it started and how it stopped and how it came back and like the things that some of these players did um to to help get a season back on track like i i do on some level feel bad for them that like all of that ends this way um but i hope at like some point and maybe fans won't ever do that because all fans care about is winning a championship and I, i guess i won't fault you for that but this season was one worth remembering, I think, in, in a lot of ways. It's just unfortunate for them that, that it, it had to end the way that it ended on Monday night. Yeah, and I mean, the problem is is that you only have one team at the end of the year that gets to go out uh, with, a, with a win in a national championship, and everybody else who is in that same galaxy loses their last game. And it's really tough getting four quarters away from a national championship and not getting there. But I think, by and large, the season has to be viewed as a as a resounding success. Now, you know, we're going into an off season, and we're going to start analyzing it probably as soon as later this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, about what's next for this program and where you know things are going to go as they retool their what seems to be their entire roster. I mean, they're losing a large chunk of their offensive line. They're losing their quarterback. Now, I don't know what's going to happen at running back, but they were going to lose Olave probably, right? And yeah, he was talking like past tense a little bit. He didn't say outright that he was going, but he, the way he was talking made it sound like so it. Dane Brugler's most recent two round draft pick or draft has him going in the mid first round of the Saints or something. So, yeah. like, I mean, he's a legit first round pick. And, you know, the point is obvious that they have a lot of talent to replace and um, a lot of. Uh, you know, gaps to fill. So, you know, I think that as you move forward into a year, you you should feel good that Ohio State conquered one of their one of their big bad uh, enemies in that in beating Clemson. But now it's also another time where chasing Alabama is a thing again, which is kind of exciting and also kind of a, a nice thing for Ohio State to to focus on. And as the story that you wrote going into the game, Bill, chasing Alabama and conquering Alabama is probably the best thing that you can do to be a great program. Mm -hmm. If that's something that's your goal and you put yourself in a position to try to achieve that and you believe you can, that's the best place to be. And nobody wants to hear this shit right now because they just lost the national championship game less than 24 hours ago. But the fact of the matter is, is that Ohio State just brought in one of the best classes in program history and one of the best in recruiting history. They have a young, bright staff that will learn from this experience and they're going to have really good players on their team in the future. And I have no doubt about it in my mind that Ohio State, Alabama and Clemson are going to make the playoff a year from now. And you know, it just it stinks when you're you're this far away and Bill, I remember being uh in the 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 Marriott in in Phoenix, Arizona uh, exactly a year ago talking about Ohio State football and what's next the, the same way we are now and honestly speaking, if you go back and listen to that episode, I remember it very well. I talked like it was like a huge missed opportunity and the idea of Ohio state not being good enough the following year to win a national championship was something I thought, and here they are, they, they had a better year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think Ohio state is built in for long-term success and sustainability. Um, I think it's hard to swallow that they're a step behind Alabama right now, but at the same, same side of the coin, I think they're going to get to play them again. Probably pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, it's going to be an, an interesting year. And I, I just I think that Ohio State's in a very healthy spot. I just think that more so than, than anything that I took away from Ohio State is how gosh darn <laughs> how hard it is just to be Alabama. And, like, I have a, a profound respect for Nick Saban, the staffs that he's continued to build and the success he's had because – you know, it's like weird to me in a world where the same five teams are competing for a national championship every year. 
it should seem easier that one of them wins a lot because you're only competing really against five or six teams. But in a world where recruiting is as big of a mess as it can be, um, it's as competitive as it is, um, you've got geographical limitations and, and all the things that you know are happening. I think creating a dynasty the way that he has built in the modern landscape of the sport is one of the most incredible coaching feats of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anything will ever beat what, what Belichick did with the Patriots because the NFL is the most parody, uh, I think, of any sport. And you don't get to recruit and pick your players the way you do in college. But still, this is a very competitive sport. And to win it that many times in such a short amount of time is insane. Especially when you have an appreciation for how hard it is to win one. Ohio State just had two potentially generational teams. And they lost twice. And Alabama didn't make the playoff one year. And then they turn around and win it all again like it was nothing. And they did it by playing an all-SEC schedule. And really weren't pushed all that much to, to begin with. So... You know, I think you just respect your opponent, and you know Alabama is is the monster. But I also think that Ohio State has the the tools in place, the the, the players coming in, and the coaching coaching staff to right the ship and and conquer this demon too. So it'll be fun, and, and that's kind of what being a fan's all about, right? Yeah, I, I, it's it's going to be a, fa- a fascinating off season. Um, one because the situation with COVID, like we don't know what like spring ball is going to look like. Um, I saw like Trevion Henderson tweeted that, that guys who were supposed to early enroll who would have been on campus already, like aren't coming till January 22nd now because Ohio state, I think is, is um, online for the first few weeks of, of the winter semester. So like that timeline's different. When is winter conditioning going to start? When is spring ball going to start? What's spring ball going to look like? That's part of it. Um, Roster management is entering a new era, although they did table the one-time transfer things. Maybe it won't be as volatile as we thought it was, but still, like there's guys going to the NFL, guys transferring, guys maybe potentially transferring in, and a lot of that stuff. And then there's also Urban Meyer might take the Jaguars job, and, and if he does, is he coming to Ohio State to, to take a couple of, of staffers with him? And if he does, who are those staffers? And then once Ryan Day loses those guys, if he does, how, how does he replace those? There's going to be a lot of moving parts, I think, this offseason, um, and, and it'll be a test for Ryan Day. I think it'll tell us a lot about Ryan Day's future. Or, or, or future prospects anyway at, at Ohio State, um, but I don't feel any worse at like at the moment about Ohio State's like program standing in, in college football. I, I still think they're in a good spot. I think they ran into an absolute buzzsaw. They were shorthanded. They weren't up to the task. And there are things you have to look at to to make sure you are up to the task next time. But I think they're capable of it. Um, and you know, if we're here again next year and Ohio State gets to the playoff and it gets run off the field again, then then maybe we have different conversations. But the, the recruiting's not slowing down. They're losing a lot of really talented players, but Ohio State doesn't have windows because it recruits too well to have windows. So they should be right back here again next year. I expect them to be right back here again next year. And it, for as, as as shitty as this loss feels, and I'm sure it feels terrible um, for for Ohio State fans listening to this, like if this isn't um like a, a harbinger, I think of of bad things to come for Ohio State. I think they're okay. They played a bad game. In the, in the last game of the year, and they lost in lopsided fashion, but they're going to be back here. And, and I don't, I, anyone who thinks they're not going to be back here like doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's going to look very different, and I think it's so funny because there's a lot of these transitional times, right? And, and it doesn't happen all the time, but every two or three years you have a major, uh, what is that Urban always used to say, mass exodus. Mm-hmm. And as sad as it is to see maybe the best quarterback in program history leave, and as sad as it is to see a guy like Chris Olave, who came in and flourished, leave, 
there's also an excitement of turning the page and seeing new players that you followed while they were in high school coming in and, and really getting a shot. And right now, I don't know that Ohio State uh, is the favorite to win the national championship this year. There might be, I mean, I know Stuart Mandel put him in at number six, I believe, in his two early uh, top 25 for next year. Um, but all that aside, uh, there are a uh, a very sturdy program, and right now I would probably put them at two or at worst three in the hierarchy of college football programs. And I guess being behind Alabama, though that's not where Ohio State fans want to be, it's still a pretty good place to be because there's there's Alabama and then there's everybody else, and Ohio State is leading the charge of everybody else. Ohio State has the fourth best odds to win the national title next year, according to this email that was sent to me from Bet Online, which I don't even think you can bet on. Alabama's favorite, Clemson and Georgia have the same odds in the second spot, and then Ohio State is fourth. Oklahoma behind them. And Iowa State for some unknown reason. So, no, they're going to be – they'll be back here. They're the best team in the Big Ten. They're going to win the Big Ten, and they're going to get to the playoff, and they're going to get a chance to play Clemson or Alabama or Georgia or Oklahoma or whoever in the semifinals. And um, we'll see if they're up now to we it. have a long – What's that? A long offseason of C.J. Stroud discussions and uh, – Yeah, like I haven't yeah. had the – like – haven't had a quarterback like or competition to cover in a couple of years. Like that'll be interesting. I don't know what it's going to look like because I don't know what spring ball is going to look like. But it's like Stroud and Miller and McCord's coming in, and you know Travion Henderson's coming in, and there's there, Jack Sawyer's coming in. There's a lot of guys to get excited about. I think there's young guys on this team who didn't get to play at all this year because the year was so weird to be excited about. Um, so it's going to be. It'll also be interesting to track who might come back when they wouldn't have otherwise come back to. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see what their roster looks like from that standpoint. Like, is Jonathan Cooper going to come back? No, I think I think Cooper and Hilliard have <laughs> made Justin it pretty, Hilliard pretty clear. <laughs> I talked to Justin Hilliard last week. I was like, so year seven? He's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. Um, uh, so I think the guys like that are gone. But um, okay, there is there is the extra year for for guys who want to use it. Um, I think some of them will. Um, and then there's like really interesting, like NFL is like Jeremy Ruckert played really well at the end of the year. Like, what, is he going to come back? Is he going to try to go pro? Um, I think that's a huge deal. Um, Chris Olave, who I think will probably go, but certainly there's a chance he could stay. Um, so yeah, I, I, and, and it'll be interesting to see how this loss maybe frames some of that stuff. It's hard because like this year was so taxing. It's like, I, man, I don't want to do that again. Like, I know we lost and I'm angry about it and I want to come back and like avenge that loss. But like this year sucked. So maybe I'll just go to the NFL <laughs> and get my money because I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. Might as well get paid while in quarantine. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. So, um, but nonetheless, it's, it's going to be an interesting offseason for Ohio State. Well, and we're like just getting started talking about that. So we'll, we'll this episode will not be about that. We'll dive into that stuff. Um, moving forward but uh, we want to thank you guys like for for listening to this those of you who did listen to this and like do a post-mortem on a, on a gut-wrenching loss like we, we appreciate you sticking with us through that we appreciate you sticking with us through this season um, and, and making four to six of the AMB part of your podcast rotation um, it was a it was a weird year it was a weird weird year to cover I'm sure it was a weird weird year to be a fan um, I think at some point hopefully you'll be able to look back at this and, and, and find it to be successful on some level that Ohio State got to the national championship amid all the challenges that, that, that it faced this year. So thanks for listening. And I just want to say that I'm personally thankful, too, that we were able to get to this point. Yeah, because yeah. I remember our texting conversations. We even got heated a few times mm-hmm. in June about, like, is this going to be a season? Is There's no way they're playing. They're playing. All the crap. The fact that we were able to get to a national championship, to get to a four-team playoff, and really get to a place where the, the best team in the country was crowned a national championship in a year where this was a complete shit show. Like, I'm just thankful. And, and, and as 
as we're here looking around the world, <laughs> burning around mm-hmm. us in all sorts of different ways, I think we all can agree that the world is a better place because we had this slice of heaven that we usually, you know, look for and, and on Saturdays. And, um, you know, I don't want to sound emotional, but I'm like super thankful that we were able to do this and we were able to do this podcast and you were able to write and I was able to write and it just made things feel normal during a very un, uh, characteristically odd time yeah certainly at abnormal times yeah so it's i'll never forget it i will never forget this college football season and i don't i don't think anybody really will for for myriad reasons um it's the strangest thing i think i've ever been like tangentially related to (laughs) on some level so uh we're on to 2021 i guess and and hopefully uh this year feels feels a little more normal normal than the last one did but again thanks for listening and we'll, we'll talk to you guys probably later on this week about Ohio State as it gets into its offseason. So thanks again for listening.